said to Brian, you know, sometimes we just do crazy things when we're in love. And I would like to add that we had a great night that night. <clears throat> he made it. Why are we willing to do crazy things like that? Why did Mulan did that? Why, when you read those stories of people giving up their lives, sacrificing, why do they do those things? Likely, it's because they love. And that's what Paul is writing about. Christ's love compels us to do things. Well, then we have to think about what did Christ's love reveal about God's perspective on us? Christ gave himself, gave his very life. He took that place on the cross, taking the place of an oppressed one on a symbol of oppression as a powerless one for our sakes because he loved us. It impacts our relationship with one another as we go on in verse 16. When we realize that God loves us, Paul says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. When we have Jesus at the center of our lives, when we've offered ourselves to him, when we're following him, we treat people the way Jesus did, or we try. Jesus doesn't look at us from a worldly point of view going, okay, you have that color hair, you have this kind of education, you had that many children, you're getting these kinds of grades. Jesus doesn't look at us like that. And Paul says when we realize that God loves us unconditionally, we then can have a different perspective on the world. Verse 18 continues. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the ministry of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. This, these verses make me really excited, and so stick with me for a few minutes. I'm going to get theological, okay? So in the covenant, there's this guy. His name literally is P.P. Waldenstrom. And if you want to do the German, you say Waldenstrom, okay? So P.P., really. P.P. says a key point in the covenant uh, building what they said about Jesus and how we were going to minister to people and this ministry of reconciliation, how we were going to talk about it, there is a key point that 2 Corinthians brings in. Do you understand that this passage says God didn't need to be reconciled? We needed to be reconciled. God didn't have to change in order to let me into a relationship with him. He was fine. His character is unchanging. He loves us. It was my condition that needed changing, and that is what Christ did. God didn't have to ask for forgiveness in this reconciliation process. When you think about when you screw up, right? You normally come to the conversation and admit what, how you contributed probably. I'm looking at a friend. I'm sure he does this. That he, he would say, this is how I contributed. Would you forgive me, right? Do you understand that when we're reconciled with God, God doesn't do that? He didn't contribute to the breaking of the relationship, did he? And yet he is the one who comes and makes a way so that we can be reconciled. And how he does that is Jesus. Jesus' entire life, how he made a path showing the way to live with other people and with God. And because he died on the cross, 
and he suffered for us, and he took the penalty for us. And in showing that death doesn't have the last word, hallelujah, this cold snap is going to be over one day, y'all. It is going to be over. This suffering world is not always going to be the way that it is. There is hope. And Jesus proves himself true by pointing to that empty tomb. We needed to be made right in this relationship. I was the one that needed to be reconciled to God. Continuing on in verse 20. Paul says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. I've heard it said it's like we're God's megaphone. We are his mouthpiece. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we can become the righteousness of God. Jesus came and he was who we needed him to be and who we need to be. It says that Jesus interceded or he took our place. He became that which he wasn't, which was, a, was sin, so that we who are broken can be made righteous. Does that kind of blow your mind? Any philosophers in the room like, this is not computing? <laughs> Jesus became what we needed in order for us to be made right. I say it like this sometimes, and maybe I just said this two weeks ago. He was broken on the cross. Our sin, God allowed it. Jesus chose it. He was broken on the cross. Men literally nailed him to the cross. And he was broken. He really died. He was really in that tomb. But when he was raised from the dead, he broke the power of that brokenness. When he conquered death, he showed, like, this doesn't have power over me. I have power over even death. N.T. Wright translates this last verse, 21. The Messiah did not know sin, but God made him to be sin on our behalf so that in him we might embody God's faithfulness to the covenant. Do you remember when we studied the Sermon on the Mount, some of you who were with us? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law. I'm not throwing it out. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I've come to fulfill it. Jesus fulfills everything that I cannot. He is patient when I am not. He stays awake when I have to go to sleep. He is perfect when I am not. Now, Paul talks about a lot about the mission, and it's taking all of the Holy Spirit to hold me back from really preaching that part of this. <laughs> that not only is this the good news, but hey, we get to share this good news in a broken world. But I really want to focus in on why Jesus did what he did. It says that he loves us. Christ's love compels us. And if you don't hear anyone tell you today because maybe you're single and it's Valentine's Day, the Singleness Awareness Day, which we don't actually love Valentine's Day sometimes in our own house, I want you to hear this, that Christ loves you. The Messiah loves you. God, the Trinitarian creator of the universe, loves you. And that's why he died on the cross, reason number one. 
It also says in this passage that we needed to be made new. The old is gone, the new has come. New is always better, right? Kids in the room, new is always better, right? Who wants to go to Target? Who wants to, I don't know, pick something else that's new? New snow is even better than the old snow. We needed the old to be gone and the new has needed to come. How many of us were really excited that 2021 was coming, right? We wanted to get rid of 2020. Well, here we are, (laughs) six weeks later. It also says that Jesus died for all of us. Somehow what motivated Jesus was that what he could do would, would cover everyone, everyone who had been, everyone who would be. It was for all of us. I also love at the beginning, it said he died so that we would no longer live for ourselves. Did anyone catch that? He died so that we would no longer live for ourselves. Anyone know like a super selfish person who literally just thinks of themselves, talks of themselves, every story they bring back to themselves? They've kind of created their world. Okay, a couple people are pointing at themselves actually in the room. But they literally have kind of created everything so that, number one, it is not healthy. It's kind of gross. It's sad. It's not good for us. We're not created to live for ourselves. And Jesus gives us another opportunity. Instead of living for myself, I can live for him who gave everything for me. And then the last point. We were not reconciled to God. We were separate from him. And Jesus came so that we can be reconciled to God. When I think about that relationship with God, I was trying to think of like, okay, it's Valentine's Day, Chinese New Year is a big celebration. Actually, Chinese New Year is the most widely celebrated holiday on the planet. Did you know that? So when I think about all of these like celebratory kind of like, woohoo, what does this mean when we're reconciled or we're not reconciled? And I was thinking about when you're reconciled, you know, you're with your family in your house and nobody fights all day and you go to bed at night and you're like, wow, that was amazing. Or as we just saw in the video, you've had a broken relationship with someone. I mean, that like what a picture of reconciliation, literally divorced and then brought back together. Or those friends that you can be with and talk a blue streak and realize, holy smokes, we just had an hour and a half go by and I didn't even notice, right? You're reconciled. It's like a perfect partnership, a connected union. So just a word on that, because I think sometimes we don't understand uh, the severity maybe of that. So even though it's Valentine's Day, go with me here for a minute. Paul says, He implores the listeners to be reconciled to God. Well, why aren't I? Why couldn't God just have created me, kind of let me go on my way and keep loving me and be reconciled to me? Why couldn't he have done that? I suppose he could have. But you know those parents that do that or those friends that do that? At some point, it's like it's not healthy to let someone keep destroying their relationship. At some point, Jesus in his holiness and God in his holiness looks at us in our sin and literally because of the character of holiness cannot leave us in that state. And I think if we think about God being motivated by love, he knows that that's not the best for us. He could let me go about my business and leave it as such. But I would not be loved by him, I believe, if he had done that. 
if you truly love someone, you're not just going to let them drive off the cliff. If you really love someone, you're not going to let them go bankrupt and spend their money unwisely, right? You're just not going to, that's not love. God looked at me in my brokenness and the way that I was going, and he said, I, I'm just not willing to let her do that. I love her too much for that. And when I am in a relationship with God, he reminds me when I'm going sideways. He puts me in relationship with other people that will remind me. He gives me his word to remind me that he loves me too much to let me go sideways. Now, at the end of this, as we listen to all this and we think like, okay, that all makes sense, but gosh, Sandy, sometimes I just don't believe it. I don't really believe that God loves me. Or I just don't believe it. I, I know kind of all of this. And I don't believe it. So what would it look like to have faith in this? Sandy, how can you help me? I want to say this to you. Faith is a crazy thing, and it would take me the rest of the day to really have a conversation about it. But these are a few thoughts as we close today. Number one, Jesus said that even if we have the faith of a mustard seed, that's enough. And a mustard seed is very tiny. Jesus also said if we ask for anything in his name, he will give it to us. Thirdly, one of my favorite verses in, is in Hebrews 12. And it talks about looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Now, I love this verse because I've always looked at it as Jesus is the one who started faith. He's the author of it. He, like, invented it. He lived a life of faith. He knew God was going to take care of him. He created it out of the dust. He's the author of it, okay? The second part, it says he's the perfecter of faith. He knows how to have perfect faith. Why is that? Because he's in a reconciled relationship with the Father. So if Jesus is the author and the perfecter of my faith, and I only need a tiny little bit, and I can ask him for what I need, here's the good news today and a challenge for you. If you do not have the faith, would you ask Jesus for it? Do you want to believe today? I hope you do. And if you don't, that's okay. But if you do want to believe, would you ask Jesus for the faith to believe in Jesus? Faith looks differently for all people. How I live my faith out is going to be different for how you do. Praise the Lord. So there's no like, this is what it looks like to have faith, okay? nor is there an amount of faith that you have to measure to. How would we know if we ever got there? It's not like a race where Jesus says, okay, here's the marking line, and once you've gotten there, then you know, then you know. It's not like that. It's a relationship with God, and it's about Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves us. Not my faith in Jesus, not an amount of faith that I have of Jesus. It is Jesus and Jesus alone who saves us. And as you come here, I hope that that is what you hear. And if you don't, you tell us. <laughs> but we want to point you to Jesus. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And he's the one we put our faith into. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. As you continue to learn about Jesus, we're studying the book of John. We have books in the back for those of you in the room. And for those of you online, you can still sign up for the text. We're only in like John 5, is it? Four, yeah, you got plenty. You could catch right up. Read the book of John for us. And maybe for those of you who are in the room, 
Those of you who are online and you would say, Sandy, I do believe. I know that it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Do you have someone today who doesn't believe that? And would you pray that Jesus would give them the faith that they need to believe? Paul tells us in Romans 8.34 that Jesus is always interceding and praying for us. And I have a feeling he knows just what you need today and what your friends need. Let's pray together. Jesus, I believe that you are present with us today, that you've given us your spirit today. I believe, Lord, that as we sing in different language, languages, as we learn um, and stand in solidarity with those who are in housing crisis today, those who are experiencing racism today, Lord, as we stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters who are struggling today and those who are celebrating today, Jesus, I believe that you long to be in relationship with us, that you identify with us, that you want us to come alongside and follow you, Jesus. If there are people here today listening who do not have the faith, Jesus, I would just pray that they would simply pray, Jesus, would you give me the faith that I need to believe in you? And Lord, as we know, friends and family who maybe want to believe, maybe those who don't want to believe, God, would we pray for them to have the faith to believe you, Jesus, that you love them, that you are compelled by your love for us and that we can be compelled by love. Thank you, Jesus, that you are reconciled to us. Through yourself, Jesus, we believe. Amen.